Are you 5'10? You're not taller than me. Me? I'm 5'10. No, you're not. You No, you're oh, shit. I'm 5'10 I... on the best day. Like when I'm like you are... What's your roster you? say? My roster says uh 5'9", I think. Well, which one? Mm. Oh, yeah, let me look, honestly. Mm. She's got 5'10 energy, that's it. <laughs> True. Uh, hello, and welcome back to the Gay Ergos Podcast. My name is Lizzie Houston, and I am definitely the girl that you want to take home to mom. Oh, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Hold up, come. <laughs> All right. And I'm Kira O'Sullivan, and I always grab a fork, no matter how many times I need a damn spoon. And welcome to this episode of the Gay Ergos Podcast. Today we have on our podcast, the one, the only, local lumberjack, Grace Joyce, uh, coming to us from Craftsbury, Vermont. Um, Grace, would you like to introduce yourself? Lizzie, thank you for the introduction. Um, I'm Grace, and I'm happy to be here. So that's... classically classically as many of our guests do grace is gonna undersell herself so i will brag grace m joyce is one of the fastest women in the single i think around especially in vermont also one of the not straightest up there grace (laughs) is currently training with the green racing project in vermont at craftsbury which is known to be heaven on earth for anyone who trains in many a sport Grace also rode at Wisconsin on both the open weight and the lightweight team. Grace, we're, we're interested. Uh, I, I think our listeners would be uh, fascinated to kind of just learn about your rowing background, where you're from, how you started, all of that fun stuff. And then we can kind of dig into how you moved into going into Wisco and, and all of that fun stuff. So give us, give us the rundown. Who's Grace Joyce? Grace M. Joyce. Grace M. Joyce. Um, so I started rowing my freshman year of high school. Um, I actually played soccer growing up and I wanted to play soccer, um, like through high school and like professionally, that was like the dream, but getting to high school, uh, I grew up outside of Chicago. So it was a bigger, uh, graduating class of like 1,200, which was pretty insane. So it's like sports were pretty competitive. Um, and my older sister rode. She was like, you should try it out. So I tried it out. I uh, had no idea what I was doing. I was actually pretty, uh, yeah, it was, it was a wild ride. It was super fun, but I didn't really uh, apply myself <laughs> as one does, you know? And so I was just basically, uh, I don't know. Yeah, so I rode through high school, um, which is honestly pretty funny because I was pretty slow and I didn't break eight uh my senior year but I ended up getting recruited to University of Wisconsin Madison which was sick so I I started rowing uh lightweight there so I rode lightweight my first two years um and I kind of had like an unconventional path in the rowing world I switched so I rode lightweight first two years of Madison um ended up making the U23 lightweight quad after my sophomore year of college Um, I go back for my junior year. So basically I just switched halfway through my junior year to the open weight team. And a lot of that decision had to do with like personal stuff related to finances uh, and figuring out a way to complete my degree. So that switch was kind of tough, but in the end it was super epic and grateful for all the coaching staff kind of on both ends, giving me the opportunity to join the team. So yeah, I don't know. Did some lightweight, did some open weight, was slow, worked hard, <laughs> was fast, was now we're just, you know, <laughs> plateau just every day. <laughs> so I don't know if you're necessarily plateauing these days, considering what you're 23 years old. I think you got it. I think you have another good, hey. like 15 years, no, at, at, at least okay. 10, at least 10. Oh. I have no body temperature. Yeah, shut up. I have no body temperature regulation. I like can't. I had to I had to button up all day today. Yeah. So actually, Grace, you touched on my question already about your you know, kind of your experience at Wisconsin and how you transitioned from lightweight to open weight. Um, and just if you want to kind of expand on that transition a little bit for you, you mentioned, you know, finances and all, you know, things like that. I, I went D3, so I didn't get any aid. And I, I get that. And um, I know it can be tough. So um, yeah, definitely dive into that for us. 
Yeah, um, in lightweight rowing across the country, as far as I know, uh, when I went to when I went to school, you couldn't get financial aid rowing lightweight. Um, so I was recruited lightweight um, because at the time, uh, that's what my scores reflected. But also, um, I was racing lightweight in high school sometimes, openweight in high school sometimes. Um, but yeah, halfway through college, um, I had to make a decision, which I'm not going to dive into it that deeply because honestly, it's, there's not much to talk about, but it's like, it came down to kind of, uh, like, what can I do to finish my degree? Cause as you all know, college is very expensive. Um, some people pay for it on their own. Some people do have help. Some people get scholarships, other things, whatever. Um, and in the sport of rowing, we're very fortunate to have scholarship opportunities. And through Wisco, I was able to kind of make the transition over, which was kind of a weird time figuring all that out, but uh, very grateful to the coaching staff for working all that out. I just remember going in and, and they were talking about how if I work to be competitive enough to push the team forward uh, for NCAAs that spring, that I could make the transition and uh, get on at the time a partial scholarship. Um, but then, uh, yeah, it, it worked out and I was able to join the team, finish my degrees, uh, still rowing today. So, yeah, clearly it worked out for you. It did. Thankfully. <laughs> did, uh, did you find your experience boat wise, team wise, different, similar? I mean, I'm sure there's some, you know, co-mingling between the teams anyway. Um, Yeah. What, what was your kind of kind of experience on both teams? Um, I'm just, like I said, I'm sure that you knew girls on either side. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting. I don't know if, well, I was at UW Madison. It kind of works how all the teams are pretty separate actually. So they practice at different times. They're in different boat bays. They go out. So none of the practice really overlaps. You don't really like see the women on either end. So making the transition initially was kind of scary um, kind of like leaving my team for that IRA cycle, which I wanted to finish that out, but also having this amazing opportunity to join this other powerful group of women, um, to help them towards NCAAs. So it was weird, um, bittersweet, definitely odd because I believe lightweight and openweight rowing are like two very different. It's the same sport, but in my head, like, I think they are very different sports. Um, as you guys know, like the sport of lightweight rowing is done after 2024 and it's kind of become the sport of like making weight and getting down the course as fast as possible. Um, and there's a large emphasis on the making weight portion, um, these days. So sometimes I find myself in the middle and it's like, could I row lightweight? Could I row open weight? But I find each path equally as difficult. Like for me, cutting weight, I mean, it's something that I'm comfortable with and it's something that I know. Um, but it's pretty, pretty hard, but in my brain also like gaining the strength and the speed to be competitive as an open weight is like equally, if not more difficult than like going with what I know, but it's just a different way of like compartmentalizing the stress and like, not just stress. I mean, all stress, like bodily stress, like training is also a stressor, I guess. Um, but like using that to produce as much boat speed, like that's kind of weird. So yeah, it was like different teams, different focus, different sports in a way. So do you find that having those two different experiences has created a more positive training environment for your brain now? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, it's pretty interesting. Like I've never taken the time to see my true potential, I think. Like I've never taken time to like like hit the gym, hit the food, like nutrition, gym, like all, like all the resources to see how fast I can go because everything has been like constrained for me in a way. So I rode lightweight U23 for two years in the quad and the double. And then I just raced 
Olympic trials lightweight. And then over the summer, uh, the senior trials, I was turned to summer nationals lightweight also. So now I just kind of have the chance to see how much speed I can actually gain. And it's kind of crazy. It's weird. It's like easier in some aspects, like the fueling part of it, or like some of the mental health aspects, I would say. I give myself a break, which is cool, but it's definitely hard to train your body to do something totally opposite, but I don't know. It's pretty sweet. We're excited to, to see what you bring to the table. Miss Grace M. Joyce. <laughs> I think it's um, so interesting to hear you talk about how lightweight is kind of like this whole different sport. And like for context purposes, for anyone that doesn't know who's listening, like lightweight rowing collegiately does race IRA. They are not NCAA, which you kind of touched on, Grace. So switching from that like different focus, still a championship level racing, NCAA racing is crazy competitive. And there's a lot more teams than there are lightweight collegiate teams. And that idea of lightweight rowing is constricted open weight, which is like a very interesting idea around it. I never would have thought to like use that word around it. And it's so, it is going to be so cool to see your ability like without that constriction. And, you know, I, I do kind of mourn the loss of lightweight rowing in the next couple of years. I don't think we're going to lose it at, you know, and we can debate this with anyone in rowing world. I don't think we're going to lose it at like the rowing, like world championship level. I don't think a lot of like, there's a lot of European lightweight still. There's like a lot of heart and lightweight rowing, but I think like those athletes who really, really pushed to be lightweights in bodies that were not made to do that are going to switch over and gain this level of strength and be these open weight athletes that are going to be, we're going to see a lot of really interesting speed, I think, come out of it, including your own. Um, which is awesome. And Hey, congrats on a very, very successful head of the Charles race this fall. Um, you crushed it. Thank you. That was, yeah. it was awesome to see. Um, but yeah, so you, you're training with Craftsbury with the green racing project. Can you tell us a little bit about that, about that in case anyone out there has absolutely no idea what that little slice of heaven is? Yeah. So I live in Craftsbury, Vermont. Um, there's a training center out here that is run by uh the creators of concept two dick and judy they're amazing i love them um they so it's a very remote remote location so my first time uh coming to craftsbury was in 2017 i applied to be a u23 for the sculling program and i was accepted which was unreal and i learned how to skull here uh steve taught me and he's my coach now which is pretty amazing um, but I remember rolling up just, just to give you some context, we're 30 minutes away from the nearest Walgreens, nearest store, nearest anything. So oh, I, we showed up to the house that I was staying at. I was like, is this real? Like, this is kind of, it's, it's weird. It's definitely, as you said, a very special slice of heaven space, I think. Uh, so right now we have uh, the GRP training out of Craftsbury. So that the GRP consists of three teams. Um, it's the biathletes, the Nordic skiers and the rowers. Um, and there's the runners now we just added a running group also. So all of that is on, uh, the GRP Instagram. We're all part of like one whole team, which is pretty insane. Um, but yeah, so I basically live in a house with 10 other, random people which is pretty crazy that are all my best friends all my teammates but it's like getting here it's like 10 random people all working towards uh the same goal in many different ways with many different communication styles coming from different places but we're all here confined to this like small area which is very interesting but yeah when you're just some things about uh grp especially the rowing side um if you apply and you're accepted they fund everything, housing, food, uh, rowing resources, a lot of mental health help, physical health help. They like kind of really work to, to help pave the way for uh, like your path to success, I would say. But in turn for uh, like fully being fully funded, we do work hours. 
So every week we have to do 10 work hours a week to kind of like pay off uh, our stay. And that's basically work hours are working around the community or around the center, uh, whatever they need us to do, if there are any projects. Um, so it's, it could be anything from splitting wood to like teaching young kids how to ski to like community rowing, teaching people how to row or like going to help out at, at the, the care center um, or doing food packing for like the local church that, yeah. So uh, we do a lot of that. That's, it's so cool. And I, I have a, such a soft spot for Crossbury. Um, but I think just like emphasizing the financial support that you guys get, that is so insane and so special in elite level rowing. Um, I, I trained very briefly at Vesper and part of the struggle was finding a job and like paying rent in Philly. And yeah. I was lucky cause I was living with my parents at the time, but I had teammates who were working full nine to fives and showing up for morning practice and an afternoon yeah. session and then going to the office for hours. And like we, I was working jobs on my feet and it's insane. And Craftsbury, you know, I think a, like a draw and a setback of the space is like being so middle of nowhere, but getting to exist there and have that financial support and like being able to be part of your community. It's so cool. Um, especially in this like very absurd little sport that we do. <laughs> yeah. But. It's, it's honestly unreal. I'm very fortunate to be a member of this team, I would say. Uh, and it's pretty amazing. It's pretty crazy. It's like in the summer, it's like, I'm living at summer camp, but this is my life. Like people it's, it's a, it's a, it's very interesting to, to live. Uh, like I consider Vermont my home now. Um, and I can't see myself leaving, which is, uh, kind of scary, but also exciting. That's such, but what's crazy though, is like how privileged I am at this moment to be in this position that like, I get to train here with these amazing people, with these amazing coaches, like with these resources. Um, yeah. Very thankful. So, yeah. So you, Grace, you, you shifted, you, you said you're from Chicago, you lived in Wisconsin. I'm assuming is very college towny around Wisco. And mm -hmm. now you're middle of nowhere in the Northeast, is it the Northern kingdom? Is that what they call it? Yeah. The Northeast kingdom, the Northeast yeah. kingdom of Vermont culturally, you know, we are, we are a gay rowing podcast. Um, yes. what was it like shifting to these so many different places? You know, like I find new England to be so gay friendly, mm -hmm. um, especially yeah. the bits yeah. I've been. And I, I have no idea what Wisconsin is like, and I've never been to Chicago, but talk a little bit about your experiences as a non-straight athlete in these worlds. Oh my God. <laughs> um, I don't even know where to start. I would say, yeah, each place is each place that I've lived, um, very different. When I was in high school, graduating class around a thousand, there was nobody that I knew at the time in high school that was gay wow. or out nobody, wow. um, which was pretty wild. So like all of high school, uh, I never really like thought that much about my sexuality or like at the moment I really didn't looking back, I think it's more, uh, like you know, hindsight's 2020 in some senses, but yeah, going to Wisconsin, that is a very different, um, environment as well. Like I know, yeah, I don't need, I don't even know how to talk about Wisconsin. Yeah. Out here in Vermont, like right now, there are not many gays <laughs> like around where I am, like in the community, uh, uh, that I live in at this moment, like there are not there aren't many people in the LGBTQ community that like I have made personal contact with. And it's, I wish there was, uh, but that's just how it is right now, I guess. Like, I don't think there's a particular reason for that. I think maybe um, it's because we're more remote than other places, but yeah, there isn't kind of like that sense of uh, queer community out here. Um, I would say personally, I more so had that in Madison um, Wisconsin is a very interesting place when it comes to uh, LGBTQ support. I, I think it depends on like the town that you go to, but Madison very much so. Yeah, I don't know. I was I was a member of Badger Pride, which was uh, um, LGBTQ athletes working together 
talking about stuff, mm-hmm. uh, which that was kind of like a stable support network for me. Um, and so many other athletes and so many of my friends, uh, were, uh, I could relate to on that level. I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to kind of explain. Um, <clears throat> but are that, sorry, no, no, sorry. I just had a question. Are there ways that you're able to, you, you find yourself, you know, able to still connect with the LGBTQ community outside of your, such a small, you know, secluded community? Honestly, at this moment right now, no. I would say the only the only way that I can feel supported, but also like be a part of the community is through social media in some senses. But there's no, it's way less hands-on than like when I was in Madison, like going to group meetings or like going with friends to different like clubs or bars or like dinners or like get togethers or like certain things. And I think maybe COVID affects that somewhat, maybe location affects that somewhat. Um, but at the moment, sadly, I haven't been immersed in the community around here. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even know where to start sometimes. So, yeah. Do you mind sharing like what you identify as? Yeah. So I can like talk about this for like a second. Go like, for it. Some thoughts down. I'd love to hear them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's pretty funny. So I joining the podcast, obviously I'm a member of the LGBTQ community in some capacity. Um, so I'm pansexual and I claim, I love it. It's, it's a big part of who I am. Um, whether I am active hands-on in that community right now or not, it's still like a big part of who I am. Um, but what's weird. Yeah. It is weird that out here, like there aren't many people that identify, uh, within that community. So I kind of find myself kind of like, yeah, it's hard to say. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think what's tough when you have like a quote unquote, like unconventional, like unconventional sexual interests, um, there's like a subtext. Mm -hmm. I mean, like a pretty overt subtext, which is the need for classification um, or identification with the term. So for a while I was like, am I straight? I'm not straight. Like, am I bi? I'm not bi. Am I just gay? I'm not just gay. Um, so then it's kind of like the swirling rabbit hole of what am I? Like, who am I kind of that? I think, um, many of the listeners that you guys have can potentially relate to. And so that's hard to navigate and can be quite frustrating. I mean, it's difficult at times, but it's also beautiful at times, but difficult. So yeah, you asking me what I identify as is like kind of a much bigger question for me because Mm -hmm. in the end, like I am me and like my sexuality is very personal. Like I I consider it to be a very like intimate sector of myself and my brain. And if I didn't need to have a classification, like I honestly wouldn't, I think. I remember Grace, when we first met, I was like so excited because I was like, oh my God, another pansexual, hell yeah, in rowing world. I think like when you talk about not wanting a label, that's like a really common experience I find with a lot of people who specifically identify as pansexual because it kind of leaves this like very fluid, very openness of like, everyone else is telling me I need a label. So I guess I picked this one. (laughs) So I guess this one works. And that's exactly how I was when I first learned about it. I was sitting in like a freshman, like gay and lesbian studies class at at Temple because they had that back then. Um, Mm -hmm. And my professor was describing their own like identity of how like, I hate labels, but this one works. And I was like, ding, ding. Yes, you work. Mm -hmm. And I think like a lot of that fluidity and a lot of that like, openness and that gray area kind of leaves a lot of room for people to be like you're not gay you can't pick a thing you can't be gay and Lizzie I know you experienced this too with like bi erasure and people being like but pansexual is not different than bisexual and you're like no it is it's not the same and like then you know if you're dating if you're in a straight presenting relationship oh you're not gay that was just a phase and then Mm -hmm. I know when I was you know first went to my parents of like 
by the way, like I'm dating a girl. They were like, so you're gay now. And I was like, no, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you're so close to getting it, but you're not quite. Um, So I think you're right in saying that's a really common experience that a lot of people, and especially like younger people right now who are very open to exploring all of these gray areas of the spectrum are experiencing and being like, no, you need to be this thing. And it's like, that's not true. Lizzie, do you want to talk about it a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I think like I've still struggled with whatever I label myself as through the years, even though I've really mostly only been with women probably the last five. Um, And especially once I cut my hair, I mean, I was dating my girlfriend at the time and she was super encouraging about it, but it kind of blew walking into like a salad shop and then being like, oh, sir. And I was like, oh, I got boobs, but okay. Um, you know, I, I think for me, it's, it's a lot about presenting and I'm a very outgoing human being. Like I can talk to a wall and like, I make friends with everybody. Like I have no boundaries, which is awesome and occurs sometimes in and of itself. But at the same time, I think it, it lends me to be able to explore who I am and who I prefer in different ways because I can outwardly express it and because I am comfortable um, whether I do identify as bisexual, if I guess right now, yes, I do. Um, even though I'm technically with a woman, like it, it, who identifies as pansexual, you know, there's different, like we said, like it's a spectrum. Um, and there is bi-erasure. I mean, I had a boyfriend for two years in high school through college, um, and was straight presenting then, but you know, who's to say in another two years, my hair won't grow back and I won't you know, look straight presenting again. Um, I think it is unfortunate that there are days where I do feel very jealous of women who are bisexual and present in a very straight manner. Um, But I think as I continue to grow up and I continue to learn who I am and, you know, what I can do in order to be more comfortable, there are certainly labels and identifications I think that might suit me better. Um, Whether that might be pansexual, bisexual, straight up gay who knows I mean probably not because I mean my psychologist is a really freaking awesome gay man and he was like if you're even one percent gay if you're even one percent straight like you're bisexual it does not matter what percentage quote unquote that it is if you have some kind of attraction to another human being that isn't this cis straight you know whatever this norm that people have in their heads like that makes you queer. That makes you gay. And that resonated with me so much, especially, you know, when you go through a breakup, obviously you go through tons of identity crisis, you know, crises, and you don't know who you are, what you're, what you love and things are confusing. And that, I think that was really helpful for me to hear at the time that I was going through that experience of like, yeah, you know, you're right. Like this is my time to be able to explore who I am and who I want to be with, what I want to do, what I can identify as. And I think for me, especially the point of this starting this podcast too, was to, you know, amplify those other voices that do struggle. And I, I'm sure I look very confident on the outside and it's awesome to, to have that presentation, but I do, I want to be humanized in the fact that it's not, even though I've been out for five or six years at this point, it still is something that I struggle with every day. And even with my own family, you know, it's, Oh, well, who are you dating? Oh, it's a girl. Okay. So, you know, you're a lesbian, you know, we've, we've said this before, but it's, it's, it's so much more complicated than that. And I think being able to articulate and explain that complexity of the human brain and just the way that the queer community thinks, um, Mm -hmm. even just in our small rowing community, I think it's phenomenal that we have all of these people that are able to just be out and amazing and proud and successful and kind and wonderful and just, I don't know. It gets me really excited and it, it makes me extremely happy to, to be in this environment. And I'm very grateful for people like you, Grace, and people like Kira who are just able to be themselves. And like, whether it is, whether you are in a, you know, straight relationship or gay relationship or yeah, air quotes around all of these things. Um, <laughs> it just, it just shows that there are so many voices that come together in one whole place that do make this community as special as it is. Mm -hmm. Um, And definitely to just kind of go off, you know, 
I've, I'm sorry that you, you do feel so secluded and kind of that environment that you're in. Um, and if there's any way that we can kind of help, you know, continue to keep you engaged and involved in the LGBTQ community while you are secluded and far away from it to a degree, so-called, um, we, we're here to, we're here to uplift and, and keep you gay. Yeah, no, everyone everyone out here is extremely supportive and like understanding, but I think it's just different when you have somebody there that like genuinely understand, not that they don't genuinely understand, but I think it's like like kind of a different level. It's Mm -hmm. just like, there's no reason why it is this way, like why there is no support network out here. It just so happens to be like, there are times in your life where like ebbs and flows where you're like, find your people. Sometimes you don't. And it's like weird uh because that aspect of my life like those people aren't really here right there are a few but it's like very far and few um but yeah it's really interesting but it's like they want to know like everyone asks like I remember sitting down for coffee with a friend uh actually my now boyfriend which is kind of weird but um and he was asking me about pansexuality like what it means in general like general like what it means to me um like in the context of my life and I remember just sitting there like explaining how for so long I identified as bisexual just because it was easier for people to understand because in the end um like so so I identified as bisexual like someone would ask I'd be like oh I'm bi but like looking into it further I'm like this isn't really what I identify with and Uh, at the end of this conversation, like me going through, like now I identify as pan because like reading more into it, this is something that I've chosen to identify with. And I've decided to kind of like, let go of, uh, like the stress on other, like other people, Mm -hmm. like needing to Google it or like something that's like, I think is like a burden on them, which is like so absurd. But I, at the end of the conversation, I remember him asking, um, he was like, if you don't, feel comfortable with that label because I was like even pansexual like sometimes I'm like I don't know all the time and it's like and that's okay too but he was like if you don't feel comfortable with that label why do you feel the need to label yourself at all and I go it's not for me it's for you like not Mm -hmm. you but the general you it's like those who feel the need to classify me like classify my sexuality which honestly is such an odd concept that people not only care about who I decide to have like sexual relations with that's like what we're talking about but also like decide to love and like potentially spend the rest of my life or definitely hopefully with somebody you know what I mean (laughs) but it's like and then those people sometimes on occasion want me to explain myself like they're like what are you cool can you explain it and then uh it has nothing to do with me feeling comfortable in the end it has everything to do with you like the other feeling comfortable so I feel like the whole like classification structure and like labeling is one in one sense extremely empowering for me to identify with a group of people that are all kind of going through similar experiences uh that I'm experiencing but also on the other hand like I think about it and it's okay and I'll do it and like people ask me and I'm, I'm pansexual and that is what I identify with. Um, and I find power in that. But if I, the more I think about it, like the weirder it is, the weirder it is because like, is it really for me or is it for you? Because you're asking me like, Hey, you kissed a girl. Like you dated a girl for a very long time. Like explain that for me. And like, what do you mean? Yeah. Here, I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, you don't owe really anyone an explanation for what you feel yeah. and who you love yeah. that's that's kind of where where yeah. I tend to to go towards it's whether or not like I, I mean it's kind of the same like if your friends don't like the person you're dating when it's like okay cool that sucks for me but at the end of the day like that's my choice and that's the person that I happen to cross paths with and my energy is intertwined with and I, I think that's there are so many there are so there's the, obviously there's the spectrum And I think you bring up a ton of great points of just like labels in general. Like I honestly, I don't like labels personally. And if I didn't have to label myself as anything, I wouldn't like, it's just easier for me to tell people that I'm gay and whether they want to interpret that as bisexual, me as a lesbian, like it does not matter to me because 
in the end you're you in the <laughs> end i'm me and i'm gonna fall in love with yeah. who i'm gonna fall in love with it's and like weird yeah yeah whether it's someone who is non-binary someone who's a woman you know uh, someone who's transitioned it, it does not it does not matter to me and whatever spectrum whatever label that the other not being us we could flip it on that terminology there um it doesn't matter which is i, I think it's incredible and um these these conversations get me they always get me really excited to just kind of sit and i, I get to reflect afterwards and mm-hmm. think about who i am um which is why i love them and i think I know that my rowers have found my podcast now. So if you're listening to this and you're having some trouble, you can always talk to me. <laughs> or <laughs> or me, anybody. DM me. Or great DM yeah. Grace. Grace loves DMs. I love, yeah. <laughs> I love DMs. Kira, do you love DMs? Um, I'm I'm a stay private. Um, but I think I think, yeah. I just meant in general. Do you like because like I I mean I, yeah, I do get excited when people DM me things. I, I will say sli- that. I love sliding into DMs. <laughs> Uh, I do have a, I do have a question. So if, if, if you were to ever get married, would it have to be uh, an earth rock? Like, are you, would, would you accept a diamond or does someone need to go forage for it? I mean, I would, I think I would rather somebody forage for it. I, I don't That's know. That's pretty cool. I think like, yeah, I, I, yeah. I think that'd be sick. <laughs> be pretty sick. Gotta, yeah. I don't know if I get the hype around diamonds really. I don't know. Fair enough. They are just a, a commodity that are run by a secret cartel down in somewhere. Are we fact checking this? I hope we're fact checking. No. Oh. I mean, it, it is a controlled environment. This is what I studied. So diamonds have value because we've decided they have value. Just exactly. Like labels and just like just all like these labels or this salsa. It's like me with outside. I decided from outside. Those rocks outside, the rocks on your neck, girl, they could be worth. That, you could charge what Tiffany charges for a diamond. Although I must say, I did pick out my own engagement ring at this point, and it's thirty grand from Tiffany's. Are you for real? Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Don't you dare. I'm super Respectfully, bougie. Respectfully, thank you. Respectfully, <laughs> please. Thank you. Awful. <laughs> Grace, are you are you into the um? What is this astrology zodiac? Yeah, let's get her started on astrology. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> No, I mean, I yeah. Don't lie. Yes, you are. I'm who me? Yeah, yes, you. yeah, for sure. I mean, every other close friend story is this one. My co-star said to me, "That means hi, I mean, Grace, I'm yeah. Joyce. I'm interested in things, you know, like as everyone is. I mean, okay, you cannot tell me that. It's so funny. People are like, "You're into zodiac signs. That's so stupid." But it's like, are you serious? It's like. A community let's talk about communities we're talking about communities you know it's like a community of people you're telling me that this person is like you're a pisces so they're trying to understand me based on the stars just to like understand me it's a group of people that are trying to understand people better like through the stars or like certain character traits or try to get to know you or say stupid stuff you know that's a really you like, want to know some way of thinking yeah. about it and i think i might dislike it a little bit less because like, of your explanation true, of it if it's that's true kind of or cute. not if it's true or not i'll say it better because i just <laughs> were vomited like if it's true or not the zodiac community is built up of a group it's a group of people that just want to understand people better and they look to the stars how wholesome is that that's the purest thing i've ever heard you know that's really good that's really cute i might i might have to hate it a little bit less yeah Yeah. i agree i think you should download costar i'm not downloading costar what's your your birth time i you have me on costar oh mine today is um today i have power in routine thinking and creativity and spirituality i have pressure in social life and i have trouble with sex love and self what is your your top thing say the big the big guy feed me that's what it says (laughs) no joke it's literally says it also told me that um i show that I'm actually into somebody by introducing them to my grandparents, which only one is alive. So that's cool. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, I had an actual question. Now I forgot. What? What's your ask- actual question? I literally forgot. I have ADHD and I did not take my Adderall today. So that's why I can't stop fidgeting. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you. But yeah. You. Yeah. Zodiac. Zodiac's pretty cool. Rocky yeah. I do cool. appreciate it. Oh, 
No, I had an explanation. Did you know that there was actually another sign that they took out and all of the dates ended up shifting? What sign? I don't know. Something. There was there was an extra one and they had to end up shifting all of the dates. So I wonder how it actually You said that. Reacts. I don't know. One of my friends told me, so I might have to fact check. Check your sources. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Oh, she's sick. very okay. big. We we compare our charts all the time. So oh my gosh. I don't know. She got me onto CoStar. Uh I think she's also a Pisces, actually. Oh, sick. Yeah. She's the one who came up with the name Cox is queer. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a good time. That was fun. What's it yeah. like being in, you know, full-time, full-time job slash still getting, you know, having to do all of these volunteer hours and being supported and training full-time? I think that's super interesting. Not yeah. many people have um, that opportunity. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, so I work for, I am a software engineer and I work for a company uh, that. Uh, it kind of, it does a lot of things. It does a lot of things. It does. Uh, it's basically like people first marketing. So it's, um, basically, um, I'm trying to think about how much I can say about it or what I can say about it, but it, it, but it's, um, like larger companies will hire the company that I work for to run campaigns to, uh, um, kind of find creators to promote things that are happening for their company i don't know if i i am at liberty to say like which companies for what things but it's like let's say um there's an event happening so they want to like go on instagram and like find creators to be like hey guys like you should all do this thing or you should all go to this event and then uh like we like track the metrics for all of those posts that go out and then kind of um yeah it's a lot of like back-end development work which honestly is pretty uh yeah i mean i love it which is which is as much as you can love uh, software development, I think down the down the line. So I studied neurobiology and computer science, and I think I'm more interested in the whole uh, like neuro aspect, uh, psychological, more even like pseudoscience type deal stuff, um, which I find pretty interesting. But yeah, no balancing the whole work work hour training. Um, training load is pretty wild sometimes uh for the past few months i like go to sleep and i'm just like ready to wake up i I feel like i don't have enough hours in the day to do everything that i want to do it's like there's so many things i want to do like i have to do like i want to do not have to like i want to do all my training effectively with intention i want to do all my work effectively with intention but i also want to like make time to like like I used to paint and sell shirts. Like I don't really do that anymore. And I want to like get back into that or go into weird rabbit holes of like learning about like esoteric ideas or like stupid things or anything. Um, but yeah, you know, you gotta, you gotta find time for your passions, Grace. The passions. Go ahead. Um, Grace, that's, I mean, that's really cool. Um, it's awesome that like you kind of have a life that's like coexisting with your rowing life and it's not just all rowing all the time. Um, but do you ever see like, you know, post elite rowing retirement, do you ever see kind of marrying these two of like trying to like look into kind of the neuro, what you say neurobiology of, and like in rowing world, or do you just want to, do you think you're going to like leave that chapter closed? I think in my brain, it's so weird how it's like compartmentalized to this point. Like, I think rowing is like a very, like, as you like go through high school, college to like the elite level to like lightweight, it's all like all different specified levels of discipline. And you just keep getting like refined, more refined to like this scope. And like, right now I have this goal of going to the 2024 Olympics. Like that's a goal of mine. And like, if that doesn't happen, 2028, if that doesn't like, like in my brain, it's weird because it's like real life doesn't start until I like finish this thing first. But then yeah. I remember I went home for Christmas. This is kind of weird, but it's like, I feel like for so long, I felt like real life doesn't start until I'm done with this goal. And I go home and I'm like running on the path past uh, like the Metro. So it's like all these, all these like boys, men, boys are getting on the train in like suits and they're all getting on the train to go downtown, to work a job, to get money, to live a life. And I'm like, that's crazy because I'm like, this is this real life? I feel like what I'm doing now following what I love to do is like 
the realest life I'm ever going to live in a sense. So I think that's like, this isn't answering your question, but like to come like compress what I'm saying, I think I'm going to do the thing. Like we have a thing to do. We're going to do the thing. And then after that, I think I'm just going to like leave it closed. I don't, I don't know if I don't think that I'm a good coach. I don't think that I can explain. I, I, I don't think I'm a good coach because I feel like on occasion I'm too hard on myself. So I see somebody else rowing and I'm like, I, how, how can I tell them what to fix when like I have so much, uh, it's just weird. So I don't know if like coaching, I can't, I can't really see it. Masters rowing, I can't really see it. I think I want to like, there are other things that I'm passionate about. Like neurobio is like another passion of mine, like to the same degree as rowing, but it's kind of just like, on a little shelf or like CS, like programming, like getting into a project and like losing yourself in that, like the flow state of like a competition. It's like the same feeling, but in like a different aspect, but it's so weird. So I think I'm going to try to find like this brain space and like other environments, which I think is possible, but. So oh, definitely. Yeah. And I think I'm excited to see wherever you end up whatever you do with your life. I don't know. (laughs) There's so, there's so much, like there's enough, there's not enough time in life, but yet there's always enough time to start a new life. Mm -hmm. I think we have multiple, multiple lives to live in one. And there are so many passions that we can follow and doesn't have to stop at one if you want more. So I, I don't know. That's, that's how I think of things. And I think really wise words. I like that. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Very impressed. Thank you. Sometimes I have some nuggets of wisdom, occasional, occasional nuggets of wisdom. Do we want to run through the repeats? Hell yeah, we do. The time? It is time for our repeat questions. Grace, what television character was your gay awakening? Okay, obviously Keira Knightley from Pirates (laughs) of the Caribbean. (laughs) Specifically, The Curse of the Black Pearl, because I remember my mom... My mom had like one of those like movie iPods. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Where you can like upload a movie onto the iPod and all you can do (laughs) is watch the movie. And that was the only movie we had. And I was like, Keira Knightley, but also Orlando Bloom. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) But also maybe Johnny Depp, but that's kind of like controversial these days. So like, you know, it's just weird. I still stand Johnny Depp, I won't lie. But wow. we can unpack yeah. that another day. That was that was my gay awakening character. So yeah. I'm glad. True. Excellent. Here and I awesome. Like Amazing. Okay. So what of all of the rowing boats you have been in thus far, what's your favorite boat to row and why? Uh this one's hard. I okay. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say the double because I am not a good sweep rower. So that kind of like mixes all the, like the one side movement for me doesn't really work out so well. Um, so thinking about sculling boats, a quad, quads can be super fun, but I feel like sometimes there can be a lot of cooks in one kitchen, you know, like if you're in a, especially lightweight quads on occasion, it's like, horror maybe not maybe that's just like who's to say but um i love team boats so i'd say double the single i've only raced one time twice two times three times now. pretty impressive one time it's only been one ah three head of the charles fall speed order and then a canada 2k Ooh, speedy speedy but double i'd say so Grace, if you weren't rowing, what sport would you want to be really good at? Uh, I would say soccer. The U.S. women's soccer team. Yes. That's so gay of you. <laughs> I, I know nothing about soccer. I will not lie. I, even though said woman is soccer player. <laughs> Sorry, Alex, if you're listening. <laughs> I did join her Monday night soccer league, though. <laughs> Listen, if you want to dive into gay culture, you have to check out the U.S. Women's National Team. You have to. Yeah. It's so important. Yeah. It's yeah. for the culture, yeah. Lizzie. Team culture, culture, gay culture, sport. Culture. Yes. 
they're, do- all of them, they're doing it right every single every single mark I think yes um in you know back into rowing world what race course has absolutely disrespected you the most honestly I haven't really been disrespected I would say wow. I mean I would say this is off the record but you know on the record but off the record I would say Lady Mercer yeah because she's so tough but I can't put that in the universe I think that's bad juju because I'm afraid of her so I'm gonna say and you guys might hate this but I'm gonna say the Charles good night <laughs> the stern points though the stern Step I mean, off. okay so in the end I guess it's just me playing myself but I think that there there's just so much going on how Charles is tough. Yeah, that's, that's what hard. makes it so fun. Charles is tough. I don't think it disrespected you. <laughs> I don't know. I think I played that. I got got. I played myself. Did you but play yourself? <laughs> I did play myself. I did play myself. But uh yeah. I would say Lady Mercer, but yeah. hopefully I say it quietly so she can't hear me. Yeah, we won't let her know. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah, we won't let her know. <laughs> we won't put it into the ether. From the ether. Yeah. Chaos mode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's wrap up. That was a co star reference. You wouldn't understand. I know chaos mode. Yeah. I love chaos. Yeah, mode. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 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 Cool. Grace, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I have no doubt you will be back on our lovely podcast. We will lure you back. And it, it's honestly, it's so fun to get to know you a little bit better and just to hear about your experiences. And I want you to know, like, you've got a community in us, even though we're like screens away, um, drive three miles or three hours south and you will be in the gayest part of Massachusetts with us. So come hang out. Oh, I'll be there. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> True. But- I'll be around. Yeah, but thank you so much for coming on, uh, Lizzie. Yeah, I, thanks for taking time out of your busy, clearly very, very busy schedule. We really appreciate it. Um, I hope I can make a trip up to Craftsbury at some point. I've, I've never been, so it'd be pretty sweet. Yeah, thank you again for all your wisdom. Thanks for having me, yeah. Yeah, well, let me know when a good time is and I, I'll Kira and I can make a trip up. We'll do some cross-country skiing because I've never done it and I'm oh, going to fall on my ass. It's kind of hard. It is hard. I know. Thanks so much for checking out this episode. Thanks again to Grace for coming on and hanging out with us. As always, follow, like, subscribe. Check out our Instagram. And if there's anything you guys want us to explore, shoot us a DM. Any people you think we should interview, of course, send them our way. Stay speedy. Stay queer out there. And stay safe.